senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlife's podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is episode 57. If you listen to last week's episode, uh, you are aware that... Uh, <laughs> Snowpocalypse. Cri- yeah. The, the crisis cri- continues. Yes, the Crisis on Infinite Midlife's <laughs> home office. Crisis on Infinite Midlife's home office uh, was uh, leaking. Uh, yes. Potentially melting. The things have... Somewhat improved. Uh, roofers came and chopped about 14 feet worth of ice off the roof and out of the gutters. You'd think that would be hyperbole, but it's not. <laughs> it's, it's not. We've got piles of ice in the driveway that... It makes... It's like the fortress of goddamn solitude up here, is what we're saying. <laughs> basically. and But yeah, they, they chopped that out, so the leaking in the house has, has stopped. We now have internet again, so we don't need to tape the show and run to the bar. Doesn't mean we're not going to, but it didn't... <laughs> It means we don't have to. Uh, with that said, it is snowing right fucking now. They're talking another six inches of snow in the Boston area. Three to six. We may be on the three edge. Yeah, well, I'm, I, I'm Irish. I've been rocking that edge since I was a young child. <laughs> oh. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's really at the point I, I flat out, I can't take it anymore. I'm at my wit's end. The only only thing that's saving me is we had two days last week where it went above freezing yeah that was exciting for a grand total of three in february total (laughs) it's normally around 45 degrees during the day here uh at this time of year roughly roughly and and next weekend is daylight savings which is what's supposed to kick us into like spring mode so this is good that means that we can we can look at um those giant snow banks because now we are above 100 inches in the boston area of snow um, are we officially for, above it? We are. Uh, for longer in the daylight. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> As we watch the sun glisten off of the massive piles of snow they have yet to cart away from the sidewalks. <laughs> yeah, but to be fair, that, that extra hour is an hour where I'm already drunk. So it doesn't. I'm not looking outside. <laughs> okay, that means that the neighbors can watch you pee your name on the snow. <laughs> don't be stupid. I pee the neighbor's name. I don't want them coming to my door asking who pissed on the snowbank. What's wrong with you? Fabulous. Think it ahead. You, you need to have a plan to get away with shit, for Christ's sake. In the daylight. Yeah. So... <laughs> So, yeah, the, the snowpocalypse here continues, but things have improved slightly, so we'll, we'll get through it, I swear to God. We, we will stop talking about snow, eventually. Eventually. At this point, probably fucking June. Uh, nah, I, I have hopes for April. I have, I have hopes that I will be able to see over a snowbank by April. <laughs> that That's insane. <laughs> we might be able to see over them, but I guarantee... Yeah, uh, you know, we've got parking lots around here that have piles twenty feet high. This is true. So, I mean, this it, it is March first. We're putting this up and taping it on March first. We we made it through February. We've got to be at the end of it. Please, Jesus, God, we have to be at the end of it. We're supposed to have three other days this week where there'll be precipitation events. I will kill you. You can't <laughs> fucking say that to me. <laughs> oh, Jesus! All right, so. Yeah, there there may be another show later on this week. <laughs> Who the hell knows? But so we are surviving the snow, and thank God we got the the internet back. I've not had to go without the internet for five days in quite some time, and 
you know, there are people who constantly say, oh, man, if I could just be 18 again. No, if I were 18 again, I would have no internet and I would be <laughs> swinging from a load-bearing member in about 10 days. Are you sure? Because, you know, my understanding is that, that 18-year-old males are, are distracted by the hormones a lot. Yeah. So, like, you'd, you'd have this itch about the internet, but then, like, boobies. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. That That's the worst curse you could fucking put on me. Yeah. Send me back to when I had an uncontrollable perpetual boner to know about internet porn and have none available. <laughs> You're the worst person in the world. Why would you wish that on me? Just use your imagination. It's vivid, right? You just want to suck the joy out of everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it was it was brutal. When, when did we finally get the, the internet back on? Monday or Tuesday? Something like that. So Not soon a damn enough. Yeah. <laughs> The good news is we we got it on in time, and and this was a weird thing. Uh, I found it on the internet, and it's one of those things that got a lot of buzz. Even though Amanda, you and I are really too old to have any nostalgia whatsoever for it. Yeah, but there was a fan made, and but when I say fan made, there was money behind it. A fan with lots of money made. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> movie of power rangers yes uh starring was it james vanderbeek and, and katie sackoff and katie sackoff who was starbuck from uh battlestar. From battlestar galactica and the only smart choice for captain marvel yes if you're listening marvel studios yes but <laughs> yeah, yeah i i have no nostalgia for power rangers so when that broke and was huge when, what were we like 1920 it was the early 90s yeah it was like 1992 93 it started in like 92. <laughs> so I, I was still playing with toys, but I was too old to be seen buying them, I guess. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, in uh, 1994, had taken a position uh, at, a, at a school for students who had some significant emotional difficulties as a one-to-one aide. And the kid they assigned me um, was on the, the lower end of the autism spectrum. And his particular fixation was the Power Rangers. I was going to say, is that where we met? I don't remember no, when I the 90s. No. It seems like my kind of place. No. Um, no, I, I was going to make this joke about flicking boogers, and no. <laughs> yeah, please please don't. And please don't give any visual aids, for Christ's sake. So, so I started to get to know about the Power Rangers, but mostly vicariously through this particular kid. So, that yeah, I didn't really watch it. Um, yeah, yeah no. it, it was really... <laughs> God knows I was still, you know, watching what one might call childish thing, because that was around the time of Batman the Animated Series, which I was watching. Yeah. Uh, the Tick cartoon on Saturday mornings was going strong in the early 90s. But yeah, the Power Rangers, the Power Rangers were really for... Younger kids. It was live action. Yeah. Yeah, with a certain amount of kung fu. and But yeah, it just it never hooked me in. I, I recognized on some level... It's a weird thing about when things become popular enough and you're at the right age, you will just automatically just say, even if they seem sort of tailored to you, no, that's not cool. I'm not going to do it. Like in in the late 80s, I read some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics. Yeah. But as soon as it you know, became Heroes in the Half Shell and on Saturday mornings, it was, no, no, that sucks. That's terrible. Yeah. And yeah, you would think the Power Rangers. Yeah. You know, particularly where I went to school, we didn't have cable. So. Something that's on Saturdays with at least some form of superhero action. Yeah, and I've got no moral high ground because I used to, in like 1996, 97, leave some other live action 
martial arts oriented thing on that had some guy Hakeem the Machine Warrior. I don't remember what the name of the show was. <laughs> yeah, I, I got no clue. But like, it was mostly because I had no cable, so I was sucking in like you know the the three to five channels that would come in, and I was living in um, a, a somewhat scary area at the time, so it was either uh-huh. watch those channels or not leave the house and do nothing because I left to go to my job and come home basically. <laughs> yeah, I think I know where you lived then. And- <laughs> I'm surprised you left the house to go to work. My roommate and I used to play a game called Listen for the Gunshot. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I, did, I wasn't really sucked in. But at the same time, it, it was everywhere. It's like you, you knew about it. <laughs> I think what, what put me off, and I had, again, no moral high ground. I liked early Doctor Who. Um, the, the level of special <laughs> effects on the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers from the early 90s was poor. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably have flipped past it once or twice, and it certainly it looked like it was shot on video or something. Yeah, it, it looked like a cheap show. Yeah, but but you know, good for the kids. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, with no nostalgia for it, I dialed the thing up, and I was. If you haven't seen it, uh, remind me to put a link. Yes. Uh, on the show notes, it, they really. They adulted it up. Yeah. There's murder and gunshots and implied sexual perversion. And Well, it was one of those things, like, I, I had kind of heard that it was going around on the internet. And then um, we heard, we were, we were watching at midnight. So they were talking about the fact that whoever owns the rights to Mighty Morphin Power Rangers was trying to get it pulled from YouTube. Rather than supporting the fan-made property, because the best thing to do to like you know support your fans is to squash their shit. Yeah, <laughs> even George Lucas doesn't do that shit. Right. So. I mean, the only other person who does that that like vigilantly is Prince. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like and again, you ask it, what else do you have going on? Yeah, that <laughs> exactly. So of course, as soon as we heard they're pulling it off the internet, we immediately paused the TiVo and fired up the Chromecast and watched the thing. God bless Chromecast. Indeed. <laughs> And yeah, so I, I wasn't aware of it. I'm like looking at the footage. I'm like, is this like some unknown footage for like Jupiter ascending that we missed? Or like, what is Vanderbeek doing? Well, yeah, particularly when we saw Katie Sackhoff, it's like, okay, yeah, we got to check this out. And yeah, I, I was impressed. There was a, I forget the name of the guy who did it, but he did a, a Reddit Ask Me Anything that I saw Bobby this weekend. Shankter or something like that. It's possible. Or that's the pan flute master of Bolivia. <laughs> I, I forget. But we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's the guy said, look, I never anticipated doing anything longer. It was built to be a 14 minute short film. I don't have anything longer to do with it. If they ask me to do something with it, I don't have anything right now. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just a, a cool thing to show off his direction and ability to get special effects done. Which is which is awesome. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd like to see one of these things for like, you know, Battle of the Planets. Yeah. Gotcha or whatever. Dude. Yeah, I, one of the things that I liked as a kid. That would be all right. Um, I, I, I was watching it, and 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 Vanderbeek was being all like good at acting and badass. And I'm like, is this your audition tape for CSI Cyber? What is? What am I, what am I watching here? I don't think you should have to audition for C- CSI Cyber. It it feels like a booby prize of like <laughs> Generation X actors and actresses. Of there's like a funnel. 
and at the bottom of the funnel, if you were big in any way during the 90s and Generation X, you land by default in CSI Cyber. Hi, I'm Academy Award winning actress Patricia Arquette, and I'm going to parlay my 12 years of work under Richard Linklater into CSI Cyber. Yeah. Thursdays on NBC or That's CBS it. or whatever the fuck it is. It doesn't matter. <laughs> we're not going to watch it. By the 900th time, it was blow that picture up. What? The 640 by 480 picture? And you're going to try to read a license? But I know too much about computers to watch any CSI, let alone CSI Let's Cyber. Let's study for that sake. pixel. <laughs> but but we're, we're digressing. So, yeah, it, it was well done. And I, I emailed a link to you know, our occasional guest, Trebuchet, who I know will be listening to this and will be pissed <laughs> about it. But his response was, meh. No, I, I was too old for it. And I'm like, well, I was too old for it, too. But if you take a step back, taking something old and lame and partially forgotten and adulting and violenting it up, Alan Moore made a pretty goddamn penny doing that. I respect people who at least yeah. took a shot at that. And and it was well done. It, it showed off some – it had a narrative flow – you, if you were a fan of the show, there were a lot of nice references in there to various things, um, in terms of like the characters, which and, we had to Google yeah. afterwards to have any fucking idea what we were watching. Beyond, wow, they shot that former child actor in the face. <laughs> that was oh, did you see that? His brains went all over the ground. They're not fucking around with this. And and they had um the a cameo from the actress who actually played the big bad Rita right at the very end, which was a nice sort of double blind. Uh, Which, again, we had to you... figure out from Google afterwards. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is a Rita? Why do they care? I think she's a, a meter reader. No. Sure. <laughs> that guy was a jackass! That's... <laughs> but, uh, and and it, it explained a number of months back, Katie Sackoff had actually posted a, a close-up of a veil that she was wearing in a shot in this particular video. And everybody's like, what is that? What project is she in? Is it finally Captain Marvel? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> like, oh, nope, just, just that. And she's going to be in another, like, still untitled short from this guy that's, like, on her IMD page, IMDb page right now. So there's some other project this kid's coming out with. Well, I want to <laughs> say he was, it was the same guy was behind the, uh, the Punisher short film. That, oh, maybe. Uh, oh, Christ, I'm blanking on his name. Thomas Jane. Yeah, thank you. Um, it was in, was that like two years ago? Like right after San Diego Comic-Con, it broke. Maybe. It was another highly violent. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And like I say, he had a, a Reddit AMA, but it, I haven't Googled much further to see if this guy does. He must do something besides fan films because he can't be fucking cheap. <laughs> but. But yeah, it was, it was enjoyable. It, it, all right. I'm going to go off on a tangent. Um, an unresearched tangent. Oh, no. <laughs> Damn it. One, one of the things that I saw. I'm not even supposed to be here today. All right, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah, you are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shit. All right, go it's ahead. Not, it must be Sunday. <laughs> um, as I'm flipping through various news items on my phone today, uh, it appears that there's going to be a reboot of Sid and Marty Croft's uh, Electro Woman and Dyna Girl um, live action superhero thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you've read our site, this will actually be possibly meaningful to Lance Mannion, who is the occasional contributor yeah. back when we used to write articles. <laughs> <laughs> he's also been a guest once on yes, the show. Yes, he's, he's, he's been a guest as well. Um, that that show was notable for um, giving a young Marky Post work before Night Court. Well, no, I think it was the 
they tried to do a reboot. It's been a while since we did that story, but they tried to do a reboot in the 80s, and that was what Marky Post Maybe was it was. On. I don't know. It, either way, it didn't register with me then. Um. <laughs> well, yeah, even though we're sort of prime time, we're Generation X, so we were young kids in the 70s. I really never watched any of the Sid and Marty Croft stuff. I didn't either because it was... I mean, what were they? The Great Space Coaster or Banana Ramp? No, not Banana They Ramp. might that have been behind. Band. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> banana Splits. <laughs> yeah, I don't think banana... I ever watched Banana Splits. I never watched Land of the Lost. Land of the Lost. Was... I watched Land of the Lost. Well, that was them. Okay. That was okay. Yeah. See, for me, it was the thing that came on when the good cartoons were over and I went outside to play. No, because fucking Slee Stacks, man. <laughs> Slee stacks and you know, a bunch of weasels wandering around a soundstage set. It, Motherfucking it, it, dinosaurs. <laughs> I've never been a dinosaur guy. See, I'm utterly abnormal as a, in certain ways, as a male child <laughs> in America in the 20th century. I didn't do anything with Legos. I was not heavily into dinosaurs. Just that shit never. I, I was comic books and science fiction. And that's okay. That's valid. But motherfucking dinosaurs. What? <laughs> Don't give a fuck. What do you want me to tell you? <laughs> All right. So apparently I watched that, um, but I didn't really watch the other things because they were either on. Well, no, they I, they just were weird. And I was too young to do the kind of drugs I think that you really needed oh, to appreciate never, banana splits. You're and, never too young. It's just hard to get them if you're young enough. Well, my mom wouldn't even buy me like sugary cereal. So I. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's so you had that going against you. So it's like, hmm, these Cheerios sure taste good with. What are they doing? (laughs) For me, it was the there were other shows I like better. Yeah. On Saturday mornings across and granted, this is across years and years, but there was Super Friends and the live action Shazam was on when I was younger and uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends when I was a little bit older. Uh, God, there was. Yeah, there was just always something else that would have been better. So Electro Woman and Diner Girl, you know, there was Captain <laughs> Marvel on the other channel. I don't need that. So well, in any event, they're rebooting that. And I I tend to think that if you're going to reboot something like that, that needs this kind of like nouveau Power Rangers treatment. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the weird thing is we're probably at the age now where yeah, in the eighties where they revamped everything, you know, you had stuff like you know, Alan Moore was doing the Charlton stuff from the sixties. It was like yeah. the eighties is doing the sixties, but it doesn't feel like the seventies stuff ever really got hit. It's hard to do the seventies stuff, I think. How how do you do it and and you know, nod and wink at bell bottoms and disco? <laughs> well, you do what Alan Moore did, which is you just say, fine, I'm going to take the core concept and plug it in right now with cultural and film mores of this time. Yes. And that's that's where you get a hyper-violent Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah, which was fun. I, would I go see a movie of it? I don't know, but certainly it was a good way to kill 15 minutes. Oh, that's what we need is a, a grim and gritty Laugh Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> Write that one down. That's a possible title. <laughs> it's like, or... Or or something that that just talks about like how Wendy and Marvin's shit's all fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we already uh we already did that in Outsiders, didn't we? Back before the new 52, yeah yeah, where Wonder Mutt just turned into a monster and destroyed <laughs> them. 
This is true. So yeah, we don't we don't need more Wendy and Marvin. They've been done. And for God's sake, nobody do the Wonder Twins. I'm not sure. <laughs> the only way you could grim and gritty that involves well, just shoot them in the face. It's a 15 second thing. So, <laughs> all right. Not everything about 70s children's television is sacrosanct. It needs to be re brought into the future for Christ's sake. True. Because I'm trying to think like what else. Yeah. Because I mean the other stuff that that was popular at that time. I think um, Adult Swim has already done a nice job kind of turning on its head and, and contemporizing you know, your, your Harvey Birdman's, your, yeah, your Space C-Labs, Ghost and, yeah. Space Ghost, Johnny Quest, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So once in a while, these things are, are nice to, to pop up and not everybody's Alan Moore and not everybody should fucking try it. No, but it, to get to get back to the original thing, the the Power Rangers thing, that's a hell of a thing. If if you haven't seen it yet, dial it up just for the spectacle of. Even if you've never watched Power Rangers, yeah, it it's actually worthwhile to watch this sort of fifteen minute concept video, um, for just for the special effects and holy crap, Vanderbeek's actually acting. Like, <laughs> right now, I'm just locked in the visual. <laughs> Zan and Jaina and Grim and Gritty, they activate their powers. Bump uglies. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Turns into some sort of weird Wonder Twins flowers in the attic yeah. kind of. I want you guys to go out there and protect your balls at any cost. <laughs> I, I made a mistake. I should have said that. What do you want me to tell you? Wonder incest. <laughs> oh, God. Don't write that one down. I'm not we'll, gonna. We'll never get past iTunes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, we're talking about reboots. You, you want to go into the main? Yeah, let's do this. All right. So, uh, yeah, the some of the bigger stories, at least about genre movies this week, are about old properties that are not being rebooted, but moved. Reimagined. I'm not even sure about reimagined. They're, they're getting new sequels. That's either are desperately needed or Jesus Christ, they need to stop fucking around with some of these things. Yeah. And this this took us on a on a quest this weekend where we watched movies and some of their sequels. And it reminded me that there used to be a time where you would do a sequel and it didn't suck. And sometimes it was even better than the first movie. Yeah. And that was cool, and then and then life started to pass us by, and well, not uh. every just because it was a movie didn't mean it was a property. Yeah, it might be a good enough movie to warrant a sequel, but they weren't trying to franchise it. Yeah, and I realize it's a hell of a thing to bitch about that in the age of superhero movies, which I desperately love. So yeah, <laughs> franchise it, keep giving me more. Who's going to be Captain Marvel? Yeah, I want to hear about that, but. <laughs> Katie Sackhoff. Yeah, not yes, <laughs> indeed. But not everything not everything really needs or should have that. Yes. Um and, and one of them that's being done that almost should be the goddamn case in point about these is uh, Alien. They're doing a new Alien movie for the first time in 18 years. Cuz yeah, Alien Resurrection was 1997. Was it really? I think so. One of the one of those rare Joss Whedon missteps. Yeah, <laughs> and I God knows I don't count Alien versus Predator or the sequel. Those oh, are not really so drunk when I watch those. Those are not really Alien movies. <laughs> those are barely even movies. Those are 
somebody realized that kids like to play video games, but it's mm. hard to get a hand job during a video game. So we'll put the video game on the screen <laughs> in a dark place and yeah. the fifteen year olds can go and try and talk somebody into it. Yeah, those were not good. But yeah, all right. So uh, the the new alien is going to be directed by Neil Blomkamp, which I'm sure I'm fucking up the pronunciation. This guy that of. did District Nine. The District Nine did Elysium, which was only okay on a good day. He's got Chappie coming out next week, yep. or it came out this week, or something. But it's coming out soon, if not already. Yeah, but the guy is a dedicated, at least so far, science fiction director, mm-hmm. as Once Upon a Time Ridley Scott was. But we're gonna talk about Ridley coming up. Um, so yeah back in january uh he put up a bunch of alien movie concept art on his instagram page Mm. um which and apparently he was just sort of doing it on his own i'm not sure fox even was involved in it at that point or if he was just putting together a pitch i'm not sure of all the details Mm. on that but he put it up with the the captions at the time uh, was working on this. Don't think I am anymore. Love it though. And uh, would have rocked was a mental stroll in the world Ridley Scott created. So some of the the stuff that he put up. Uh, number one, <laughs> encouraging for people <laughs> who like certain of the movies. Uh, Hicks was there with horrific facial scarring as he would have had after Aliens. Yeah. Uh, there was Ripley in a fucking suicide vest of all things. <laughs> Uh, the the space jockey ship. Yeah. Uh, they had in a giant warehouse, and yeah, sorry. Was it next to the Ark of the Covenant? <laughs> no, the, it's hard <laughs> to tell uh, just based on scale. But all I know is it's the space jockey ship. Yeah, sorry, Ridley. Uh, there isn't enough bribe money in the world for me to call it an architect's ship. <laughs> it's a fucking space jockey. Fuck you and fuck Prometheus. But, <laughs> How uh, do you really feel? Oh God. <laughs> Um, but, but there was also, they had the, uh, uh, the interior of the Weyland-Yutani corporate arcology, which nice. actually looked pretty similar to the, the warehouse the space jockey ship was in. So yep. it may have all been the same thing. And they had, uh, Ripley in the space jockey's helmet. Hmm. So that would actually explain a lot because considering how shitty a pilot Ripley was, <laughs> By just firing the shuttle off for 57 years and nobody can find her, it would explain how she found the one route to fucking run Charlize Theron over at the end of Prometheus. Yeah, damn. But, <laughs> so yeah, that was that was like uh, end of December, beginning of January. It looked like it was dead. But on February 18th, uh, he posted another image on his Instagram of H.R. Uh, I never know how to pronounce Geiger. it. Geiger. Okay. Uh, Geiger's original alien drawing saying, okay, this appears to be the next movie that I'm doing. Cool. Well. Or is it? Kind of cool now, but my initial reaction was, eh, who gives a shit? <laughs> well, look, I love Alien. And yes. I love Aliens. Aliens was the first movie where I got a girl to touch me in any way. She held my hand. That's that's sweet. Now, the first movie I got a girl to touch my junk was, I think, American Sniper. It was it took a long time. But but I don't think I went to American Sniper. Is there something you want to tell me? I haven't been to American Sniper. <laughs> I'm saying I really want to see American Sniper. <laughs> okay. But see, so yeah, I I love those movies. Now, Alien 3 came out when we were 21. Yeah. 
and uh, it's the second sequel I can ever remember seeing where I walked out going, oh, as much as I love these characters, that they, they should not have done this. That was not. I was angry out of the gate. I saw that when I was in college. And the second they opened up, and I know we because we talked about it, the rationale that is behind it, but the second they opened up Alien 3 and Hicks and Newt were dead, I yeah. was pissed. I had a lot of emotional event. Hicks was the man, and and I didn't actively hate Newt, and <laughs> and I get it. You know, it's it's X number of years later. She's not going to stay that size and that cute. Check her IMDb page. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, you know, so that's not realistic. But at the same time, <laughs> yeah, it was wrong, and you knew it. <laughs> that that really did bother me. Yeah. Now. And and we have talked about this. I'm not sure there was any way. Well, that's not true. If you wanted to do a direct right after Aliens continuation of the story, you've got really no choice except to kill Newt and kill her off camera. Either that or recast her because you, you it was do years that, later. Or you could say that, you know, they were found X number of years later and that there was a minor malfunction with the pods and they started to age. Yeah, but you know what? That's diehard logic. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the diehard logic of after Die Hard 2, could you even remotely believe John McClane keeps getting into this shit? Well, I, I don't know if you've ever heard the danger-prone Daphne theory, but... <laughs> I, I have not, actually. I've heard the term. But... There are some bitches what always get into trouble. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then bitches be named Daphne, I guess. <laughs> or John McClane. <laughs> yeah, but... but that's why the Die Hard movies really start to suck after a while, on top of story and Bruce Willis has been phoning shit in probably since <laughs> Pulp Fiction. But you just can't believe he's in this shit again. And after a certain point, do you really, you know, I made a joke about Ripley being a shitty pilot, but do you really <laughs> believe, uh, whoops, fuck the, you know, coordinates in space are three numbers. How hard can it possibly fucking be? How many times have you fat fingered the password on your phone? <laughs> if the if, it's a day you fat fingered the password on your phone if the consequences <laughs> of fat fingering the password on my phone was drifting forever in the inky cold black of space i'd be a little careful when i fucking typed it in i'd be sober when i typed it in how does that sound no you wouldn't yeah all right <laughs> yes uh, sobriety inky black of space that's a tough call i probably would... especially because inky black of space you're drinking well i'd be bored <laughs> it'd be like you know worse than space madness on ren and stimpy <laughs> you raise a good point. oh my ice cream bar <laughs> as soon as you said that i reached for my beer i'm like yeah See? you're probably right jesus <laughs> can't get through the show without drinking <laughs> i think i'd make it 10 months in space <laughs> and so <laughs> One would imagine nobody also expects me to kill aliens and save the human race. Not this week. Ripley, not any <laughs> fucking week. People don't expect me to get to work on time, let alone slay a queen alien for All right, fuck's so sake. All right, so are you saying that I'm going to have to kill the aliens because I'm already in charge of the zombie apocalypse? You that's, need to be that's a lot of shit to put on me. Yeah, I know, but you need to be in charge of all that shit because let's go back to the drinking. I can't be trusted with it. All right, you need to buy me a machete. <laughs> All right. Space machete. We'll get his and hers. Mine will be decorative, but <laughs> fuck it. I'll just get the Indiana Jones bullwhip. I won't be able to do anything with that anymore, and I could the machete, but it'll look cooler, so what the hell. Okay. But We have a plan. 
Anyway, we're getting <laughs> off on a fucking tangent here, as we do. Nobody would believe Ripley would fuck that up again. And the the way they could have gotten around it is the way Mark Verheiden did in the first Dark Horse Alien series. Mm-hmm. Now, that series, I don't know if you've read it. I don't think I have. Yeah, it's not all of it holds up. But, yeah, it just it takes place. Hicks and Newt are on Earth five, eight years later. That's it. They got home, and then something comes up that you need that they need to deal with. Now, even that mm. is a little bit dicey because at that point, now you have to, you're almost back in the diehard situation of, Oh, really? It's going after these people again. Now the smart thing Verheiden did was he kept Ripley the fuck out of it. It was Newton Hicks. So you had familiar characters mm. to sort of continue and tie people through from aliens to this first comic series, which since, uh, actually, I read today, if you go out and get that trade paperback, mm. it, it's not Newton Hicks anymore. Really? As soon as Alien 3 came out, they changed the names. Ah. <laughs> so, but I got the original trade paperback if you want to check it out. It doesn't completely hold up because there's this whole subplot of there's somehow telepathic images of the aliens and people are beginning to start a religion around them and that's how they get a foothold on Earth. But at least the way of get, keeping Hicks and Newt in it, mm. it made a certain amount of sense. And in its own way, it makes it's a certain amount of writing integrity to say, okay, we. It, I'm not saying it was really integrity on the part of the writers mm. or laziness for Alien 3, but it, it seems like somebody said, yeah, we can't just have Ripley, no matter where she goes, aliens pop up. Yeah. We have to continue this, and the most logical way to continue it would be that an alien got onto the Sulaco. Yeah. But if you're going to do that, you have to kill Newt or recast her. Right. So I can understand why they did it. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. But it was still, it was a blow. (laughs) It was. But that was not the only problem with Alien 3. That was the biggest one that pissed more people off. Yeah. No, there were, there were a lot of problems with Alien 3. <laughs> well, the ones off the top of my head were, I walked out of there going, every I don't know who was who. Yeah. In both Alien and Aliens, you got to learn at least the core characters and who they were very quickly. In this, everyone looked the same. Everyone had yeah. a shaved head. It, no. it was a bunch of like random like what prison bad guys or well yeah and that was the problem this was like you know this was the escape from New York prison <laughs> you sent the, the worst of the worst two ah so yeah everybody on this except Ripley is this scumbag murderer or rapist so it gives a shit if their chests explode yeah yeah there was it was lower stakes there's a whole political platform that would love to watch their <laughs> chests explode. <laughs> So, yeah, the, and th- those are just the, off the top of my head. Now, I've not watched Alien 3 in a while. I think we watched it about a year ago. I think we had the TiVo get that and Alien Resurrection. I've seen Alien Resurrection more more recently than I have seen Alien 3. Yeah, and Alien 3 is not good, but the less we fucking talk about <laughs> Alien Resurrection, the be- that one I've seen twice. And, yeah, I think we got it on the TiVo, and I only got it to see if it was as bad as I remembered. Because that was really going to be the turning point of, you know, it, you know when, when Alien came out on Blu-ray, 
it's like, do I get the whole quadrilogy or do I just get the first two? And I just got the the first first two. two. (laughs) Yeah. So, and then, uh, yeah, Aliens versus Predators. I haven't seen them. I'm not going to see them. (laughs) I remember reading some of the the comic books for Alien versus Predator, and I seem to recall liking those when they came out in the uh, mid-90s. See, I don't like, with a few exceptions, I don't like Aliens comic books. Okay. The original Alien, the illustrated version uh, by Walt Simonson is an exception. Mm-hmm. And and here's the problem with Aliens comic books. A large part of what makes Aliens work is not how they look, but how they move. Yeah. And okay. you're, you're never going to capture like because we just watched Alien yeah. and Aliens yesterday. And particularly the first movie, Ridley Scott rightly went to great lengths. I'm not going to shoot it directly on. Uh, every It's very... Perfect example is in the shuttle where Ripley finds it. There's a strobe light going, so no matter what, the way it's moving isn't going to look normal. Yeah. It, it makes it look other. Yep. And you're just not going to get that with a comic book. No, There's- and I, I seem to recall watching some documentary on, on the guy that they got to be in the suit and the lengths that they went to to get him to move differently and, and all of that. Yeah. Um. So a lot of thought went into it. Yeah, there there is exactly one scene with the alien in the first movie that doesn't work for me. And it's the scene where the alien gets Dallas. And it is the one scene where you can really see the alien head on and he throws his arms out, but then he stops. So the the cut is about a quarter or a half second too long and you get just a look of this artificial attack yeah and a head-on look at the alien and it's every time i see it it pulls me right out of the movie because they go to such care to make it move differently yeah and that's why the comic books almost never work for me there have been some decently written ones but it's no matter what you're dealing with a still image of a thing it's why most of the video games don't work for me because where the rubber hits the road eventually you got to see the goddamn thing and it's following some weird ai so I've not played the last couple of Alien video games because mm. I heard Colonial Marines is a pile of shit. <laughs> and I don't have an X-Bone to play Alien Isolation. Which is also supposed to be not particularly good. Well, you know, a video game where you spend half of it stuffed in a locker. Yeah, I call that junior <laughs> high school. I don't need to pay $60 to do it again. So That's all right. You don't have to. <laughs> but, but yeah, in most of the ones I've played, it's, yep, there's the Xenomorph. And... Number one, the surprise is gone because they always look just like, cause, yeah, you, you wind up seeing them. Yeah. And the surprise about them is, is sort of gone overall. I, I don't disagree. I, I had a roommate that had a, a PS, the first generation PlayStation and had the alien game that came with that. And yeah, there's a certain amount of startle that comes out of, you know, all of a sudden the face hugger is like jumping at the screen the first couple of times. Yeah. But then after that, it's like, okay, it's, it's teabagged my screen. I'm, I'm, I'm all over this. <laughs> yeah. I, I still think the best alien video game I ever played was the doom mod. Yeah. And whoever put that together was smart in, in the sound. Because they were cuts from the movie. So you'd be going along in dead silence and you hear Apone going, watch those corners. And the way they set it up was invisible wall, or not invisible walls, but intangible walls. Because mm. the, the logic in Doom was when they saw you, they came at you, no matter right. what the monster was. If it didn't see you, it just sat there. So when they designed it, they created these little alcoves with 
what looked like walls in front of them. So as you walk up, you couldn't see there was anything there. But logically, when you walked past those things, they would see you and come out behind you and make noise. So oh. it was almost constant surprise attacks in some of these things. It was really well designed. That's kind of cool. Now, the graphics were shit because it was Doom. And it, was, <laughs> it was a 486, but it, it was well put together. I haven't played a better alien game since. Cool. I keep waiting for a good alien game. <laughs> Everyone, I'm like, this is the one. Colonial Marines looks at, uh, shit. So. Someday. But Maybe after this new spate of movies. Anything's possible. But, so anyway, the big news this week, because again, my initial reaction was, uh, okay, another Alien movie, even though I kind of like this director, the last several, there had not been a good Alien movie since 1986. Right. Um, Blow or Blomkamp, again, I'll screw up his name from here until the gates of hell, but... He did an interview with Sky News. Okay. And the implication, not even the implication, he said that the movie was going to take place after Aliens. So everyone assumed he was pulling a Superman Returns and he was just going to reject Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection. Okay. Now, we don't have any audio from that interview because originally it was something that was on YouTube. Okay. Because they've... They've since he's since walked it back, um, but initially he told Sky News, uh, "quote I want this to feel like it's literally the genetic sibling of Aliens, so it's Alien, Aliens, and then this movie." And he said part of the logic was he wanted he and Sigourney Weaver, uh, who was in Chappie, so that's how the they're they're talking on this started. Oh, okay, uh, wanted to give Ridley a quote proper finish, <laughs> so. Yeah, everyone assumed he was just going to say Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection never happened. That's when I started to get excited about this. They were just fever dreams while she was in the pod. <laughs> yeah, well, but like I said, he's, Blomkamp, he's walked his comments back on it because he did another interview. Okay. Um, Which we do have some audio for. So, yeah, here's here's Blomkamp on uh, how this is going to be connected to the, the first and second movies. My favorites are the first two movies, so I want to make a film that's connected to Alien and Aliens. That's my goal. I'm not trying to undo Alien 3 or Alien Resurrection. I just want it to be connected to Alien 1 and 2. God damn it, get rid of those two movies. Yeah, no, seriously. Like, they could just be dreams she had while she was in the pod. They were awful nightmares, but they were nightmares. Well, we'll talk about how... The- <laughs> We'll talk about how they can get around it in a minute, but I, I also have uh, have some audio. This is a Sigourney Weaver on, on why she wants to do this when she hadn't had anything to do with this yeah. since uh, 1997. I think we left a, a series that's quite beloved, just sort of literally hanging in the air. I, I, I didn't like the way it was going, and I... Neither did any of the rest of us. Thought we were... I think it's hard to manufacture a good story just because, you know, because it they want to make another one. Tell Fox. You should have told them back in the 90s, for fuck's sake. So I, I guess I, I always wanted to complete the story, and it wasn't really till Neil and I started talking that I thought, this is why we've waited however many years it's been. All right. So- tell me there's no crystal skulls in this. <laughs> Just for the love of God. Because um, that architect helmet could fit on one of those things. You know, that's... You just want to suck the joy out of everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So 
I guess we've answered the question at least for the two of us whether or not they should throw. Alien. Well, I mean, they can they can they can Botox your face from here to Kingdom Come, and and you know fix her hair. They managed to to de-age her sufficiently for Galaxy Quest, but that was like fifteen years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I I'll watch it. But with some reservations, I'm I'm getting to the point in my life where I I'm happy to go back and revisit the the screen heroes of my youth while they were still in their youth. I don't need to. I it's enough that I'm getting old. I don't necessarily need to be reminded that they are old in the roles that I love them in. I I, I don't mind watching them in other things. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not sure how you can even you know short disregarding those movies how you could even do it and even if you did it yeah what's the storyline that you know 18 years it's not even 18 years later because the the assumption was ripley was a clone in alien resurrection so that's not even ripley so i mean that one that one you can just flat out chuck right yeah because it's it's not even ripley and disregard it well it's like all right and again i don't mean to go off on a tangent we watched birdman this weekend and it, that is supposed to be about a, it's a wink and a nod towards getting older. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, it's Michael Keaton who was Batman for two movies. And he's in this movie where he's playing, um, an actor trying to get his shit back together and getting relevant by being on a Broadway show that he's written and directed and produced. And there are these close ups of his face where, you know, they may have either just left it like ragged for HD or they may have gone out of their way to like age him more because it's HD. Not the man I knew 10 years ago. And yeah. And, and that, well, you know, I'm looking at you were Batman. Like, yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> like Oh man. Like I just, I just, I think there's a certain point where you need to kind of be willing to let go. Give give the franchise to somebody else if you're going to keep the franchise going. Uh, <laughs> well, all right. So would you rather have a reboot? Because I'm not going to lie to you. I can't think of a single person who wants an alien reboot. I, I don't want a reboot. But at the same time, I don't... I'm interested in, in Blomquist's ideas. I've enjoyed his movies so far. I liked District 9 better than I enjoyed Elysium, but I enjoyed them both. I think it's a, it's a question of, of being willing to commit to a vision and find the right actors. And sometimes the actor that you used to have may not be the person to go forward with, at least not in the capacity they used to be. Well, I don't think you can recast... Ripley. You can't recast Ripley, but you could find somebody. <laughs> you you could a uh, Jessica Chastain or. <laughs> well, all right, you, you've basically got two choices if you're not going to go forward with Ripley. You either need to reboot it, or you need to just do a story in current current continuity yeah. without Ripley. Now, if you reboot it, you're fucked. Right, you're fucked because Alien is about as perfect a movie as I can think of. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, th- there's a whole spate of these things. It's like you know Schwarzenegger in in Terminator Genesis. Like, really, dude, you can see the turkey necky thing. <laughs> it doesn't matter that you were Mister Universe and that you're still in reasonably okay shape. It's just a turkey necky thing. It's, it's you're a fucking Terminator. 
now, now. You don't get the creepy shit. You're not allowed to get the creepy shit. You're not supposed to age. <laughs> At least he doesn't have the shat bloat. But... <laughs> no, if there is an, a, an older actor alive who does not have the shat bloat. <laughs> but, uh, all right, the Terminator walked through a car wash on high, and it uh, melted the polymers. I agree with you. I don't want to see the new fucking Terminator movie either. <laughs> but, but yeah, you, you can't remake Alien, because you just have to do it. It's too goddamn good, except no. for that one shot that's a little bit too long, which wouldn't matter because it would be all CGI'd aliens anyway. Right. Which would be its own goddamn problem. But you would have to all but do a shot-for-shot shot remake you know, with just more jacked-up technology and ask Gus Van Zandt how many royalty checks he gets from fucking Psycho when he did that. Right. So you, I don't know how you reboot Alien. And you can do an Alien story without Ripley, but what you wind up with is Aliens versus Predator or fucking Prometheus. And Prometheus was done by the same goddamn director. Name me one character. Tell me the name of a character in Prometheus. We've um, seen it twice. Uh, Johnny Douchebag? Yeah. Um, no, look, here's what I'm saying, though. It's not that you have to take Ripley out of the equation. I just, I think going forward, leaving aging characters in their role to carry the role perhaps in the way that they did in their younger years just leads to some question marks and some believability issues. Oh, it, it absolutely does. But just sort of reading between the lines on this where Blomkamp's been talking with Weaver apparently about this for a while and has done this work. And as of a couple months ago, didn't think he was going to be able to get the thing done. The practical reality is he probably had a good enough story for Weaver to say, yeah, okay, I want to do that. And her being willing to come back to the franchise for the first time until the 90s got the thing greenlit. Yeah, and I'll watch it. <laughs> I'll watch it. I saw both of them. I, I saw three and four in the theaters. May God have mercy on my fucking soul. <laughs> I'll go see this one. And frankly, I got some hope for it. I just don't know how they accomplish it. Yeah. I don't. I don't either. I'm hopeful. I just. I'm feeling a little burned by by sequels that have been disappointing. the 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 cool thing about revisiting Aliens this past weekend was we were back at a time when when sequels proved often to be almost as good, if not better, in some cases than the original. I think Alien and Alien Aliens are two very different movies. So it's not a question of one being better than the other. One's a very good horror movie and one's a very good action movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whenever I hear anybody say, oh, there's never been a good H.P. Lovecraft movie, I'm like, you've never seen Alien. Yeah. That's a perfect Lovecraft movie. A thing from outside Earth mm -hmm. that does not give a shit about humanity and just goes through it like shit through a goose. Yeah. It's perfect. Cthulhu for teabag. Yeah. <laughs> and Aliens is a great action movie with horror elements to it. Yeah. Well, it, it's like the same sort of thing with, with Terminator. Actually, you can't even say Terminator Judgment Day because that was not nearly as good as Terminator. But yeah. Terminator is an excellent horror movie, and I don't think people often think of it that way. They want to say, oh, it's a sci-fi movie. It's an action movie. It's uh, a fucking monster movie. I've had <laughs> fights with people that, no, it's a horror movie with sci-fi elements. Yeah. You know, it's... It, you're right. It's a monster movie. It's the it's the classic nightmare of something is chasing me and it won't stop and I can't get it's away. Frankenstein's monster in the 20th century. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> but the the other problem is 
after Alien, you probably could have gotten away with doing an Alien story without Ripley. Yes. After Cameron got his hands on it, Ripley became the most interesting part of the Alien story. Right. You know, the aliens are cool, and oh, the double jaw and the face hugger, that's always going to be scary, but you know, you cannot tell me in any of the alien movies there is a better moment than get away from her you bitch the minute that happened <laughs> when that loader came out and it became just a battle of literally titans yeah it's okay this is ripley's story right and you know, even in the dark horse comic books yeah ripley wasn't in that first series but I, i've got the second arc in issues and believe me she showed up by the end of it because you can't keep her away from it for too long right so See, I, I see here. She, she's, she's the expert. She's the, she's the one that you bring in because she knows the bugs. Does she have to be the one that has to defeat the bugs with her own bare hands? That's the question. Well, and that would be fine. But again, we've got a practical problem here. Of Ellen Ripley is dead. She's been dead <laughs> since the end of Alien Three. Right. So, so is this that that? So that's my question. Is this supposed to be you know the thing? Are are three and and resurrection of fever dream and this is what actually happened instead yeah I, mean, <laughs> I don't see how you can possibly do this without getting rid of those two movies yeah i've i i've read a couple rumors online that this might take place between alien and aliens i don't know how you do that with ripley because she yeah. is floating through space. Exactly. Uh, you can't say, oh, no, there was something she was pulled out for and then got the hibernation sickness because they made a point of putting her in exactly the same position in hypersleep at, when they find her at the beginning of Aliens mm -hmm. as she was in at the end of the first movie. Yep. So it, without that, you've got a movie about commercial. <laughs> no, you, you got a movie about commercial space transport with no fucking aliens in it. Yeah, I don't. I don't really want to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> so, how can you possibly do it without getting rid of those two movies? Time travel. We've never seen time travel. No. In any of the alien movies. I guess we will find out. You know. Yeah. The hibernation dream. I suppose you could. That's. I. I don't know how the fuck you do that. Yeah. I don't know. So. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I suppose, but yeah, I mean, frankly, I'm really pulling for, and it didn't work for Superman Returns as much as Mark Singer wanted it to, just pretend the other ones didn't happen. Yeah. But then again, by the time Superman Returns came out, I don't think Alien 3, in, in particular, I don't think Alien 3 is held in as much contempt as like Superman 3 and, and Quest for Peace was. No. Alien 3 has had a certain amount of historical forgiveness. You think uh, so? Not by me, but... I don't know that it's got forgiveness. I think it's it's just sort of a, a blip in cinematic uh, timelines. Well, I... the, the reality is it, it was done by David Fincher, who's become a huge director. Okay. So in retrospect, I'm sure people have revisited it saying, I love David Fincher, and therefore there must be a reason I should love this supposedly on the Alien 3 Blu-ray, there's a work print version hmm. that is vastly better than the one that was released. Oh, okay. The reality is I didn't like the movie. I'm not going to spend another $25 for a Blu-ray that I'll watch once for you know, for one view of a work print. 
I'd go to Blockbuster, but it's full of rats and, <laughs> and meth heads. So, but I, I think it's it's had a certain amount of. I think time has treated it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So I think there might be a certain unwillingness to throw that under the bus. Well, if it if it shows up on basic cable sometime in the next month or two, <laughs> feel free to to get it. Well, like I said, I watched it a year ago. And okay. It's, I did not have a feeling of, oh, this is better than I remember it was. Well, then it probably isn't. And there's no reason to, to try to find something that isn't there. But I'm saying for Fox to say, yes, Neil, you can throw this out. You can pretend it never happened. And I'm not sure. You can do it with Resurrection. Nobody gives a shit about Alien Resurrection. <laughs> I can't find a person who gives a shit about Alien Resurrection. Yeah, I, I don't know who that person is. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, otherwise, I, I I just don't know how you do this. It's a good question. <laughs> I mean, it, and, and it's weird. I, I got excited for this when the implication a few days ago was this is what was going to happen. Now I'm not sure how excited I am about it. I mean, and again, given that she she is older now, it almost feels like it would have to take place however many decades after Alien 3. And I, I don't know. Doesn't she, like, die in a fire in Alien 3? She <laughs> like, like, falls into the molten lava or she some She falls shit. Christ-like into the molten lava yeah, with so, her hands around the alien that has just erupted, erupted from, from between her, her tits. Yeah. And in slow motion, like Jesus, that's the one thing Alien 3 and Superman Returns has in common. The, the, the Just the Christ pose is it's yeah. fucking horrible. All right. Again, I, I come back to there. There, it's going to be like the la- that that season of Dallas where it was all a dream. <laughs> I suppose you could do it. Just yeah, she wakes up out of hypersleep. And... Oh, who shot Jr. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but even then, it's it's got to be yeah you know, for her to have aged that much. It'd have to be oh, you've been in hypersleep for nine hundred and twenty-seven fucking years. Bobby's still alive. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Why is he in my shower? Yeah, like, we were under so long, Bishop grew legs back. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how you'd do it. I I am right back on board with this if they say, yes, we're disregarding three and four. Yeah. You know, have the stones to say, no, I'm not taking those into account. I didn't like them. And the deal is this is the story that we're doing. Those movies still exist, but they're not going to be part of the continuing story. May as well. I mean... Is Fox owns this? Fox has done this enough within their own continuity. Yeah. Um, for other franchises, if you think about it, with uh, the X Men movie where they oh first class first class because they have Emma Frost there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the one oh uh, X uh, in Wolverine Origins where there's also an Emma Frost, but it's it's a different Emma Frost. <laughs> yeah, here's my impression of Fox Studios. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. Which works. Yeah. So I, I think they don't care. At the end of the, if it makes money, they don't care. Look, just just do what they and Lucas did with Star Wars. Okay, we'll try these movies. Uh, you know, like them. Disney. Want to buy Alien? And hell, they're doing. They're already redoing it because they're they're doing a Deadpool with Ryan Reynolds, even though 
it was it was so poorly botched in Wolverine Origins. Well, yeah, but <laughs> actually, you know what, Fox sell sell Alien fucking Disney. I would go directly to Disney World to walk through oh, shit, yeah, walk through the Nostromo or the Sulaco. Well, all right. When I when I was living in London, there there's a laser tag thing in Piccadilly Circus, and I, I don't know if it's still there. Um, called Quasar, and <laughs> oh yeah, because laser tag has just known uninterrupted fucking popularity. <laughs> well, you know, I used to spend a great deal of time at this particular one, and I I may have hit somebody in the face with a ra- uh, rifle butt once, but it, my, my point is <laughs> pistol whipping fucking English kids. That's a good way to go to jail for the rest of your life. One of the things that made it really appealing is that in addition to like running the fog machines and the strobe lights and the dark, they would play the alien soundtrack. <laughs> so you'd be right. running around like tagging people with the fucking alien soundtrack playing. <laughs> Somebody was giving booze to these goddamn things. <laughs> Maybe, but <laughs> but it was the best fucking time. So yeah, I want to go. I, Disney should buy this because I would totally go to like an Nostromo experience. I, I like, uh, the problem is they'd go back and it would become the alien princess just so they could do a fucking t-shirt. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is not the only sequel that was announced this week <laughs> that has to do with Ridley Scott that has this feeling uh, ambivalent. Well, this one has me more just pissed off because I don't even know the purpose behind it. You know, short. One money, last money, money, money. Oh, yeah. That's, that's got to be it because I can't understand what they would do with it. Uh We've been hearing about a sequel to Blade Runner for a long fucking time. Yeah. Uh, about three years ago, Ridley Scott said he was working on it. He was planning to direct it. A script was coming forward at some point. Thankfully, we didn't hear anything about it for a long fucking time the, until about this week. Um, yeah. Yeah. Scott has announced that he'll be producing Blade Runner 2. Uh, it's going to be directed by, and here's another name I'm just going to fucking butcher, uh, Dennis Villa Nuve. What kind of parents would name their kid that? Villa <laughs> uh, uh He's the guy who directed uh, Prisoners with Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal a couple years ago. Okay. Which we haven't seen, or at least I haven't seen, so yeah. I can't address that at all. Okay. Uh, and Harrison Ford has confirmed that he will be in uh, Blade Runner 2. As Deckard? I don't know. <laughs> um here's what i do know uh, i took notes today and uh my next note is just no in capital letters <laughs> i cannot think of a movie that needs a sequel less than blade runner the only way that this doesn't actively suck is oh, do go on if we find out that all of the various um Replicants. Doesn't say skin jobs, but yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Racist. Uh, we're we're based on human templates that existed in life and grew old and died or grew old, and and Deckard was one of those. And now there's a new line of replicants that are having problems again. So some younger person comes to him for advice. No, that still fucking <laughs> sucks. <laughs> This is still a movie. That... What is <laughs> okay? There are a lot of reasons why Blade Runner is a classic movie. I agree, and the fucking plot is the least of it. <laughs> Seriously, it's the what this movie is about is not hunting down skin jobs. 
No, it's it's a, it's about like what it means to to be alive. Exactly. It's it's what it means to be human. Yes. You know, you are your memories. What if they're not real? You know, living in fear of death. On one hand, you got the replicants with the artificial incept termination date. You've got humans living in Los Angeles where the environment's so thoroughly fucking destroyed. You've got genetic disorders like JF Sebastian. You know, it, it's implied there's not enough food just based on the sushi counter where <laughs> Harrison Ford can't get four pieces of fish. You know, you've got people just stacked on top of people. And the one thing everybody wants is to just go off world. Right. You know, you've got the class issues of you know, the little people. You know, the cops are above regular people. And there are well, literally little people because, like, at one point, Deckard's car gets, like, attacked by, by midgets, people. Which is a glorious <laughs> fucking scene that will never be topped in cinema. But, um, yeah, I mean, the people who live there are faceless. They're all the same. They all have the same umbrellas. Yep. You know, they all look the same. And then you've got the cops. And above it all is the corporations that just loom over everything, dominate the landscape. Right. So, and yeah, the question of am I more of a person than this thing? You know, you've got cops going around legally murdering replicants but Roy Batty saves Deckard at the end then <laughs> yeah, the question of what makes you human that's what that movie's about and the constant questioning of yeah, that's what's interesting about is Deckard a replicant or not because right. Deckard's arc such as it is and he doesn't really have much of one is that he's a violent person who he doesn't want to do this job to start with but he's violent he almost rapes Rachel yep you know, and just moving toward, uh, just wanting to escape that. You know, and it, bless you. <laughs> now, is Deckard more of a person than Batty? Because one would kill the other in a second. Yeah, and they they leave enough little clues to make the the viewer question whether or not Deckard is a replicant. Also, um, particularly if you watch the director's cut, I think versus the ori- the original one I saw was. And I, I've told the story before. My dad used to like to take us to the drive-in. <laughs> there you go. So at the the one that I saw when I was a kid, um, Rachel and Deckard went off into, uh, I guess Canada, because you see them drive off, and there's a voiceover, and oh yeah. Um. So that's the one that I saw. So as far as I was concerned, at whatever age I saw it, you know, the the nice man saved uh, the pretty android. <laughs> <laughs> And they lived forever happily. Yeah, well, until she died. It's the one thing I'll give Sean Young. This is her best performance because I truly believe that she's not fucking human. <laughs> but, but yeah, the the other thing beyond just the nature of what makes you human, the other great accomplishment of this movie, the other thing that it's just the immersive environment. Yeah, you know, there is world building going on here that doesn't necessarily have to be there. He spent more time building this convincing dystopia yeah. with detail everywhere. I mean, there's stories that the detail went down to, you know, if you would get into the spinner, the police cars, there would be little stickers of what things meant and to be careful of things. There's stickers on the, the payphone saying there's a minimum charge. And, yeah. You know, so just he's 
It is very immersive. The the level of detail that's put in, and particularly considering that this is still a time where you're not CGI CGIing shit up. There are, there are painted backgrounds and <laughs> yeah, map paintings and forced perspective and yeah, just old school special effects. And it all works. <laughs> yeah, it's a completely believable world. Um. So in in the the director's cut that we saw though there there are more clues that lead you toward the possibility that Deckard is It's not a fucking possibility. <laughs> He's a replicant. Okay. You want me to prove it? Sure, go ahead. I've have audio. <laughs> Here's Ridley Scott talking about whether well, or that's not That's not fair. It's, like, it's, as a viewer, how do you know that he's <laughs> it, We know well, all right. <laughs> so that the clues from back when I was a kid was the owl and Rachel and Bat, from certain angles, their eyes would glow. And yes. there's a couple scenes where Deckard's glow also. I have never noticed that. And I've granted, I often now watch this while drunk, much like yeah, no, the other things. There's a scene in particular, I think it's when Rachel is playing the piano and Deckard is behind her out of focus where his eyes glow. That's really? the main one I can think of off the top of my head. Okay. See, I mostly go off of the whole... He has the dream about the unicorn, and then uh, Edward James almost leaves an origami unicorn in the hallway for him to find, thus pointing out, no, the corporation's always known where you are. This memory that you have that you dream about isn't, you know, <laughs> isn't yours. Yes, which ties in directly with Deckard knowing uh, Rachel's memories. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that scene didn't appear until the director's cut, so it's a, there's there's five versions out there. Uh, there's the original American theatrical release. There's a European theatrical release. There is the work print that was discovered in the early 90s, which is the first one they found that didn't have any voiceover or anything that got Ridley Scott interested in doing the director's cut. But even the director's cut wasn't really the director's cut because he didn't have time to do everything that he wanted. Mm. So he finally came back to do the final DVD Blu-ray Blu-ray release in 2007, that's the final cut that supposedly is his final word on it. Okay. So, yeah, you, you want to talk about the unicorn? I say so now. On top of that, <clears throat> this yeah. this uh, clip. So so here's Ridley Scott talking about whether Rick Deckard is is a replicant or not. <laughs> when Harrison is on his piano, looking at all the photographs and wondering who these people are and what they're after, he's drinking. He's a bit drunk there. Hey, I'm Rick Deckard. And as he drinks, you go off into the unicorn. So it's a reverie. And that was the only reference right there to this abstract image, which is a unicorn. And that never occurs again till the end of the movie. Because when he comes to that apartment, he thinks that he's gone in there and killed her. There it is. Looks like the unicorn. And it means? He's a replicant. He's a replicant. That's a long way to go to get to it. He's a replicant. <coughs> That's. <laughs> don't worry. We, we don't have to go that long. He's a replicant. He's a <laughs> Whatever you want. <laughs> what what's Rick Deckard? He's a replicant. All right, let's take it back a step though. Um I have never read um Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, have you? Uh yeah, uh, not since I was a kid. Okay. But yeah, so... I, I got the novelization when it uh when it first came out and I read the uh I think it was uh, Boom Studios graphic novel adaptation as it was coming out. Okay, but the the original source material for the movie are they clear in that that he is it's a philip k dick novel they're not clear about who anybody is it's constantly asked if he's taken you know the i forget what the test was called because it's been years Boy since camp I, yeah but i don't remember if that's what it was called in the uh i think it was just the empathy test in the okay. book 
but it, yeah, it's constantly asked, and there's a constant questioning and impl- implement. It's implied that, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> second beer, um, th- that he might be a replicant. Okay. See, for me, it's never really mattered. Although, you know, it, you know, having watched it this weekend, I, my thought was, wow, wouldn't it be weird if they went out of their way to set to 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 unearth him or turn him on if he's a replicant, <laughs> set him up in this apartment for the sheer purpose of. You know, all right, these these replicants have come back to Earth. We're gonna we're gonna take this one out of storage, <laughs> make him think that he's been around forever and that he he was out of the game. <laughs> it's it, anything's possible. That could just be an apartment that they put. Okay, we've got loose skin jobs. Give us give us a new model to go after him. And well, it, he could he could also like the memories that he thinks he has could be you know the ones of the. Uh, Blade Runner that they referenced who supposedly died. Why don't you get so and so? Yeah, Holden. Yeah. Except, well, he he wasn't dead at that point. But yeah, it's uh, that doesn't no, seem he was like, ventilated. He was he was ventilated, but they said you know he's fine as long as he they don't take the tubes out or whatever. So yeah, I think he's alive. They could be his memories up to a certain point. They could be, but well, and and it's very possible. Because I was going to say it doesn't seem likely because he knows who Holden is, but that doesn't mean they didn't plug him full of his memories. Right. So, I mean, it might seem like a long, hard way to go to have a replicant and have an apartment, but uh, here's the director. He's a replicant. He's a fucking replicant. Hey, Rachel That's... knows who Tyrell's niece is. Doesn't stop her from thinking the memories she has are her own. Yeah, that's true. So how they set the memories up, yeah, that's that's an open question. But yeah, again. He's a replicant. So... Rob, are you a replicant? <laughs> Get away from her, you bitch! <laughs> All right, so, so, but yeah, between the environment and the question of what it means to be human, I mean, what does the plot leave open? Does it even scream for? I mean, describe Rick Deckard as a person beyond replicant or cop. He likes whiskey in uh, Italian Crystal. For some <laughs> reason, I guess he can afford that on a on a on a Blade Runner salary. <laughs> that is true for Christmas three years ago. Yeah. Uh, Amanda got me <laughs> the four of, I mean, they're not the glasses from you know, directly from the set, but they're the exact same mm-hmm. whiskey glasses that Rick Deckard drinks from in his apartment. And those fuckers are heavy. Cr- you could glass the shit out of somebody. A replicant. If he you, needed, you could to, take Roy Batty out with this. Yeah. I was going to say, if he needed to take Leon out, <laughs> he, he didn't need Rachel to pull the trigger. Just glass the prick. So. Yeah, no, those are. I, I think I might need to use those for my whiskey after this show. Now well, mention it. There you go. You're <laughs> absolutely welcome to. But I mean, yeah, Rick Deckard is a character. He just sort of appears and he's there and he's doing this job because he's compelled to and he falls in love with this android for some reason. I mean, Roy Batty is a much more... Fleshed out, as it were. Yeah, absolutely. And And he's not nearly as many scenes. But either way, yeah, it's hard to describe these characters... But you can describe Los Angeles in Blade Runner easily. Honestly, I I feel like Roy Batty, like the relationship that Roy has with Pris and the way they bring in Sebastian, that's like one of my favorite little trios of all time in movies. That that whole... 
a highly dysfunctional trio. Two are lying to one, and then one kills the other. But, but I, I, I just love, I love the idea of Sebastian in terms of you know, he's, he wants to live with his toys, and and people he doesn't, people don't get him, and he can't really develop relationships with people. And then the first kind of person that comes into his life turns out to be a living toy. And yeah. <laughs> Who won't play with him the way he wants? No, but <laughs> but but he feels a certain level of affection, especially once he realizes that they're of the Nexus Six line, because he because he, he he made them to a certain degree. So <laughs> it, it, yeah, he he made them, but he can't get them to do what he wants. Oh, I'm sorry. I I didn't know how this machine worked. <laughs> but Roy Batty, I, I think, is one of my favorite, and I can't even call him a villain. I mean, he is a villain. But he's he's a, a tragic character more than he's a villain. Oh, he he absolutely is. I mean he he is single minded in his purpose, but his purpose is self preservation and the preservation of his friends. Yeah, and he feels like he was given a raw deal. You know, it's like anybody else railing at God for their lot in life, except Roy Batty can get God's address. <laughs> And get someone to get him in the front door. But it's one of those things where his the the level of of his mania at certain points in this movie in in his pursuit of what he wants there's there's a level of believability that goes beyond even like a, a Jack Nicholson and one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah. <laughs> and I read actually it's on his IMDb page. He spent time in a mental hospital um, in order to try to get out of naval service. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'd go to a mental hospital to to get out of a shift at McDonald's. Like he he literally like stayed stayed there and waited it out until they let him out of his service. <laughs> that, all right, that's <laughs> that's that's some determination. <laughs> that's a guy who doesn't care what happens. Still, yeah. So, but I I think he takes some of that and brings it to this role. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's made clear visually. Yeah, right. The first time we see him, his hand is clawing up to show that he's dying he is out of time this is going to happen right now or or it's never going to happen yeah and in its own way i don't i don't want to get too far into oh isn't blade runner an awesome movie because it is awesome movie. it is an awesome movie but yeah the he knows the answers when he meets tyrell he talks about recombinant dna and he knows that there's nothing anybody can do, but he has to try it. Yep. So he's like a guy bargaining with God on his deathbed, knowing that my prayers can't be answered. Right. But yeah, no, it's and it's powerful and it's compelling. And why do you think you need to make a movie after that? What on earth can you accomplish? What storyline did you miss that you you think you can possibly do? Well. <laughs> By making a sequel, did he not learn from the crap reviews he got on Prometheus? You don't need to go back to the well. Do something else. Well, go make it, another fucking Gladiator movie. Do something. Yeah. <laughs> and Prometheus is one of the, the main reasons. I'm I'm petrified about this for a lot of reasons, but Prometheus is one of the main reasons. And Prometheus has its its fans the same way Alien 3 does. Yeah. But yeah, that was one where it was, oh, he's returning to that universe and isn't going to be awesome. And yeah, you've got 
black goo of the earth. And <laughs> Charlize Theron not knowing enough to turn left or right when she's running when the ship's rolling on her. <laughs> so, yeah, this is... Either way, this is not a thing that necessarily needs to be done again. The The weirder thing in its own way is Harrison Ford agreeing to be in it because for a long time, he wouldn't even talk about Blade Runner. Yeah. You know, if, if you've got Bravo, you know, they still air inside the actor's studio. And if you ever find the Harrison Ford one, conspicuous by its absence is he does not talk about Blade Runner. Right. Tipton doesn't even ask him about it. It doesn't even come up. Now, hmm. apparently Ford has said over the years he's come to terms with it and has forgiven Ridley Scott and they've become friends again. Harrison Ford has said, boy, I read the script of Blade Runner 2 and it's one of the best things I ever read. I'm guessing his copy of the script said $30 million, but... Yeah. Uh, and, and again, uh, I've, I've already brought it up in this episode. Crystal Skull. <laughs> no, you didn't bring this up in the episode. You brought it up while we were talking earlier. Yeah, but I'm just saying, his judgment is not to be trusted. You're right. Like The... Every page, it's it's like the shining. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. It's just thirty million dollars, thirty million dollars, thirty million dollars, thirty million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in either that or it's it's Callista Flockhart has been out of the house in talks for Supergirl, so now he figures, ah, now I can make my break for it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I it might be a spectacular script because apparently, uh, oh, I can't remember the guy's name. I want to say Peoples or Hampton Fancher. God, it's been a while since I read Future Noir, so I don't, I don't remember the screenwriter of Blade Runner off the top of my head. But uh, is is working on this script also? Okay. So th- there may be something to it, but there might be. I I just I feel that the big themes were explored in the first one. But you know, it's 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 a cynical money grab. They're gonna do it, whatever. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, plot wise, the only plot thing you could go back to, and when uh, there was this guy, I want to say his name was Jeter. Yeah, he was a friend of Philip K. Dick's, who wrote two or three sequel novels. Okay. Uh, back in the '90s, and I read one of them. I got one as a gift from my brother, and have not kept it. It really didn't stick to my head too much. But I remember one of the big things was the the thing they hung it on was the the missing replicant. Now, the missing replicant was when Bryant is telling Deckard, he's brought him back to the police station and he's yep. saying, OK, uh, here are the, the replicants that are, are missing. He says there were six on the loose and that one had already been killed. Yep. Uh, but Deckard only takes out four which should leave one. So it was this missing replicant that they hung these sequel novels on. Okay. The reality is they fucked up. There was another replicant that was written into the script that they were going to add um, that they wound up not shooting or wound up not cutting out. So that's, that's yeah. On the okay. final cut, which is the one we watched last night, uh, they've overdubbed it. They've 80 yard the speech. Oh, so okay. now they say two got killed to deal with that. Oh, I mean, which also, it it does beg the question, and you brought it up, which version of this is it a sequel to? <laughs> yeah. Because I got five of them in a box downstairs, <laughs> and, and in two of them, uh, Rachel is an android with no 
with no incept date and Deckard is a human, one of them's questionable, and in the other He's two... He's a replicant. Sorry, I... He's a replicant. Got a little dicey with my touchscreen there, but... Well, I mean, in in the sequel, do we find out that, you know, in addition to finding out what it means to be human, they they, they get turned into real boys and girls, and they, they give birth to little replicant children who... <laughs> I, I don't know. The, the one thing I can think of, um, and this is... Toaster babies. Well, no, this is just based on <laughs> toaster babies. It was with the, the Cylon baby in Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Toaster babies. There you go. Dick in a toaster. That's a <laughs> different kind of Lonely Planet song. But but no, the, the one thing I could think of, um, and it, it's based on a comment that uh, Ridley Scott made uh, back in 1992 that I just found when he was first talking about doing a sequel uh, when the director's cut came out, was, uh, I'll quote it, uh, I'd really like to do that. I think Blade Runner made some very interesting suggestions to the origins of Harrison Ford's character addressing the idea of immortality. I think it would be an intelligent sequel. Hmm. Now, again, I don't know how you bring Harrison Ford into it, considering he's a replicant and therefore would have been dead for the last 22 years mm. because he only lives four years because, again, he's a replicant so so what are you saying is he a replicant he's a replicant i'm saying that <laughs> <laughs> so you know if he ever wants to meet tyrell you want to talk to god let's go see him together i've got nothing better to do but so i don't know how you bring him into it but what could be interesting is fine it's 20 years later in this los angeles the only thing you bring across is this world yeah and the tyrell corporation has cracked human immortality okay and what happens in that los angeles if you've got the money and you know the right people you can live forever okay. that could be an interesting story that takes one arguably the most important thing that came from blade runner which is this cyberpunk dystopia moves it forward 20 years and sets a whole bunch of different tops going yeah. That has nothing to do with replicants. Fuck the replicants. We've done the replicants. We've done what it means to be human based on memory. What does it mean to be human if you can live forever? That could be cool. But again, yeah. I don't know how the fuck you do it with Harrison Ford there because now you're automatically tied to Rick Deckard. I, I, I don't know. I, just, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just, I, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I feel like, if they want to go down that path, that that would be a good choice. But again, how do you bring in Deckard and make it even remotely relevant if that's going to be the case? Unless, again, we've just unless the replicants are based off of the human model, and then this is just him, like the human model, old. Well, you know what? Yeah, just keep Deckard out of it. If you want to keep a modern science fiction icon in it with similar thematic concerns here's who you get oh what the hell i don't got that long a lifespan anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah if they could come up with a completely disconnected i want to i would not mind spending more time in that los angeles yeah but th there's nothing more to be said with the replicants that i can think of and certainly nothing more that can be said with rick deckard yeah now, that kind of los angeles is part of why i enjoyed almost human for the entire season that it was on that show was fucking fun. That, that, that was renewed. a great show. But. But. 
So yeah, ultimately, a lot of concerns. Really need to hear more about this before I can even remotely get past. No, don't want it. Yeah. But. All right, how are we doing on time? Oh, we're doing good. It's uh, hour 27. All right, so you want to talk about a couple actual comic books? Yeah. All right, where do you want to start? Oh, you can pick. Uh, no. Well, let's talk Spider-Gwen. All we're right. talk about things that are similar but have gone down different paths. Yeah, so, yes, yeah, Spider-Gwen has uh, left Spider... Sp- <laughs> sorry, Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse. Uh, is back on her own Earth and trying to get back into the good graces of the police and the general public while... Her band, the Mary Janes, is becoming rich and famous without her. Uh, it's becoming rich and famous, but it's also beginning to sort of implode. <laughs> yeah, as most rock bands yeah. do. Uh, and so, yes, Gwen has decided that she will get back into the public's good thoughts by taking on the, the vulture. vulture. And, uh, yeah. Madness ensues. <laughs> Well, there's a lot of interesting things going on because it, it's, you know, it's a, it's not the 616. So, um, Captain Stacy is still alive. Um, the Tombs is still the vulture. Yeah. It, Jason Latour, uh, who's writing this, the arts by Robbie Rodriguez. Yep. But Latour is clearly having fun coming up with alternate universe versions of characters. Yeah. So, yeah, you've got Captain Stacy still alive, but. You've got the Yancey Street Gang as a bunch of apparently socially conscious kids with matching gang Ben hoodies. Grimm is a cop. Yeah, Ben Grimm is just, yeah, <laughs> a cop who's just the, the bane of the Yancey Street Gang's existence. You know, Frank Castle is the ultimate bad cop. That was awesome. All right, oh. they, 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 take, they decide that um, the, the mayor is, rather than J. Jo- Jonah Jameson specifically, the mayor is the one that really hates Spider-Gwen. Yeah. So, and 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 Jameson is his mouthpiece, and because of that, the mayor has it in for Captain Stacy because he's not actively trying to get Spider Woman because nobody knows other than him that it's his daughter. Um, yeah. So he gets he gets benched, and they they bring in Captain Castle, Captain Frank Castle, who is going to be his replacement. That and and um, was it Tombstone that was in there? Is like a bit. It's a fucking rhino. Oh, it's the rhino? Okay. I, I, He's just like beating big, the shit out of the rhino. It's a big gray guy. There's a couple of spooky yeah. villains that, that fit that bill. So uh, <laughs> he's in there tuning him up in his cell like it's friggin' Elliot Stabler on Law & Order <laughs> SVU. <laughs> um, that was great. <laughs> a couple of cool things I saw in this, and, and that was one of them. Uh, the sound effects. <laughs> I don't know if this comes from Rodriguez or Latour. The very first sound effect in this, and therefore the very first word, is piss. <laughs> it's supposed to be the sound of a spray can, but all right, it takes a certain amount of balls for the first word to be piss. But when we meet Castle, he cracks his knuckles, and the sound effect is crucka, like K rucka. Oh, it's sort nice. of a nice, nice, yeah, nice. <laughs> so yeah, he's. Those are some of the most fun parts of the issue. Just the, okay, it's the 616, but it's not the 616. And, right. here's the, and it's good that he's getting them out of the way, because with Secret Wars coming, how long this in its own little universe can continue. We don't know. Well, frankly, if it sells a million copies a fucking month, it will stay wherever the fuck right. people want. But, 
but it's a, it's a fun book. Um, it it's just uh, the character that they've laid out for for Gwen. Just yeah, it riffs enough on the idea of a Peter Parker type character, but it, you know, there's a, a bubbly sort of vibrance <laughs> yeah. that that Gwen brings to it. Um, you know, even when she's having to, she's just like, "There's a spider pig in his universe. He's beloved." I don't <laughs> like. Yeah, what, what the fuck. <laughs> Yeah, it's a. I, I like Gwen's character. Um, she's fun so far. I, I even kind of like the Mary Janes. I like that subplot. Although yeah. the last time New York City went nuts for a rock band was two thousand two, so I'm not <laughs> sure I believe that particular piece of it. But then again, it's an alternate. It's universe. an alternate universe. Yeah, you know, maybe the Strokes have won the Grammy for the last sixty years. <laughs> but, um, maybe there's no YouTube in this universe. No, they broke on YouTube yeah. <laughs> in, in Edge of Spider Verse too, but. Um, and I like the idea of Mary Jane being part of, you know, in air quotes, Spider-Man, yeah. Spider-Woman here, but her life and, and I hate the fucking term, but in sort of a frenemy yeah. kind of way, it, it's kind of interesting and it, it sort of harkens back to how Mary Jane was in Peter's life just before and up to Gwen's death where right. she was you know, as much a thorn in his side as you know, a potential love interest. Yep. Um, so, I mean, that works. I kind of like that. Um, I'm not sure about the rest of the band. You know, Betty Brant cooing at her cat murder face. <laughs> not sure <laughs> Which that is did a, a great cat name. It's a great cat name, but uh, it's from uh, Metalocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> so. I I, I kind of looked at the crew of them as sort of a Josie and the Pussycats kind of thing. Uh, and Which I can see. They, they're also sort of setting it up in terms of these these characters are going to go off for a while, and Mary Jane's going to try to do her own thing. It looks like because the the band got pretty fed up with Mary Jane's behavior at this last rehearsal. Yeah, so we'll see her go down the tubes for a while and ask for forgiveness. And there's certain parallels with Spider Man with that anyway. Not yeah, that Peter was ever in a band. I don't think he can carry a tune with a forklift, but. <laughs> They needed to give Gwen something to do. Yeah. Um, now, with that said, I, I did have some problems with the issue. You know, it was it was generally fun. The whole gag and spoilers. You should assume we're going to spoil. If you listen to the show, we're just going to spoil everything. So, but yeah, but yeah, the, the idea of Gwen trying to attract the vulture's attention by doing literally eight story high graffiti. If her motivation is, boy, I want the people of New York to be on my side again, vandalizing buildings with indelible spray paint that's going to be difficult to get to to clean up, probably not the best <laughs> way to go. I mean, it was a clever little moment, but it was one of those moments, Jesus, please don't stop and think. Move on to the next panel. Um, and the vulture is just so pedestrian in this. You know, yeah. We've got all the all these nods and winks to modified versions of marvel characters this is it's just the vulture it's the same vulture again and you know the whole closing gag of oh he dragged her up to where she can't web her way to web sling really feels like something i've read before well it, but i think we have to see how it plays out you know we yeah it's it's hard to tell if he's at all any more badass than he is in in his incarnation in the 616 just because we haven't seen him do anything that hasn't, we've seen the aftermath of what he does, but we haven't actually seen him do anything. Well, 
Yeah, and I'm okay with the idea of the vulture, but make it somebody else from the Marvel Universe. This is just, it's the goddamn vulture. We might get to that over time, though. I mean, nobody else is anybody else in here. Like <laughs> Everybody else is somebody else. Frank well, Castle I mean, is it, a cop. As, and... as far as the uh, villains go. Well, yeah, but it's it's all over the place everywhere else throughout this issue. And then to have it just be, yep, the vulture, just, uh, all right. It's the vulture doing vulture things, and it, it it feels stale, and it's way too early to have stale shit in something this heavily anticipated, and where everything else in the issue is, all right, let's shake shit up, because we can. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen stuff shaken up with a vulture. And, that, and I think that's valid. But I think they were kind of going with, all right, what low level, because nobody takes the vulture fucking seriously. It's, <laughs> it's well. It's easy to say low level, but he's been around since Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yes, but... He's, he, he's an original member of the Sinister Six. I don't disagree, but he's also a fucking joke. He's an old man who's angry and can take to the sky. Hey, get off of my cloud! <laughs> hey, man, I'm the vulture. <laughs> <laughs> so, nobody takes him seriously. He's, you know, it, it, Yes, he can drop you from a great height if he hasn't managed to break a hip taking off from a building. Yeah, but that doesn't carry over into this because there's a goddamn police task force after him. Yes, because Gwen has been away and now she's back. <laughs> well, okay. It, I, I can see where you're coming from. I, I just, I don't, I, I would have liked to have seen something. Have Betty Brant be the fucking vulture. <laughs> and we might get to that. It's possible, but, you know, I would have liked to have seen some some different choices with it. The the actual superhero shit in this felt uh, okay. This is like any other Spider-Man story I've ever read. Yeah. And I think, well, I think also though, we have to kind of be patient because there's going to be a learning curve while she learns how to hero. True. But we're also not entirely clear. We know she hasn't been spider woman for a long, long time, but we established an edge of spider verse that she'd been doing it at least for a while. You know, this is not an origin story. Make no mistake. No, and but neither was really Edge of Spider Verse. It was okay. Here's this universe's Spider Man. I, I think, I think what we're seeing here is you know we don't know exactly how long she was heroing before this because all we saw was she had her powers, then she outed herself to her dad at the end of that intro issue, which what was the one before this. And this is the number yeah. one issue. Yeah. We know that during Spider-Verse, she's had the opportunity to ostensibly uh, intern with other more experienced Spider-People. Now she has to do shit on her own. Yeah. Well, one thing I did like was they just made a nod to, hey, I've been off doing this. And then just drops right back into her life. Yeah. Because, yeah, this is too early in this to spend. Yeah, on a certain on a certain hand, I, I was thinking... Geez, wasn't she missing for a while? And how does nobody notice? And it doesn't really matter. It's, yeah. yeah, just drop her back in. Yep, here's where she was, and now we're back. I got the impression that she hadn't necessarily been heroing that long, which is why Peter Parker punched his ticket. Because if she was a better hero, it would he wouldn't have. Yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> and and that's part of why she's trying to work her way back into the city's good graces, but she doesn't. You know, now she's got more experience, but she's still not good experience doing it by herself in in a way that is really, really effective. 
Yeah, no, I can totally see that. Although, another reason Peter might have died? He's a replicant. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pulling that one out of rotation after this episode. I gotta get all the mileage I can out of it. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, there there was a lot of stuff I liked in this. I had a lot of fun up until it became... Okay, it's this is a Spider-Man vulture fight. It's a yeah. Spider-Man vulture fight. I started seeing when I was five and six years old reading comic books. But and I think I think you you hit it on the head. He's the vultures in Amazing Spider-Man two. Yeah. All right. So he's in Spider Gwen one. <laughs> yeah, it's it's certainly not a reason to not read the comic book. Again, I generally liked it. There's a lot of fun and cool stuff going on in here, but. If if you're going to take all these opportunities to do this cool stuff around 616 iconography yeah, to shake shit up, do it with the villains too. That's all I'm saying. And, and we may, starting in issue two or three, start seeing that. But I would like yeah. to have seen it. You know, you set the tone when Ben Grimm is a cop. Just, you know, okay, so we don't have Fantastic Four. He's just a policeman. Yeah, all right. If that's the tone we're going to set, I would like to have seen it go all the way. And I, I think we may get there. I, I think it's going to take a little bit of time because also I don't know that they necessarily want to go the route they did with the ultimate line where it's like, huh, this character is who now? It's a- <laughs> yeah, true. And it it may be a matter of timing. Yeah. We may find with Secret Wars that Spider-Gwen just winds up in the 616 with everybody else. Yeah. But see, even with that, that's <laughs> that's more of a reason to shake it all up now. You've only got two months. <laughs> So, yeah, I generally liked it, but would like more out of the battle. All right, and more out of the villain. And that's that's valid. All right. Anything else on that one? No, nope, or... I think you we covered it. Okay, <laughs> back to one we've been struggling with. Oh dear. So, Batman Thirty Nine, uh, written by Scott Snyder, art by Greg Capullo. It's a uh, Endgame Part What Five Part Five. So, Batman's still battling the Joker. It's and, almost as though it's an eternal struggle with an immortal being. Oh, Christ. <laughs> God damn it. Um, yeah, this, this, it's hard to even recap the plot on this because this issue really jumps all over the place, just in, in the main story. Yeah. You know, we go from Batman at the Court of Owls to Joker at the Batcave to, you know, an old school. Batman 1989 movie Joker Parade, and then Batman's yeah. teaming up with villains. It, it's kind of, it's a little bit hard to track, just because it's all over the place. I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for this story to be done. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm ready for there to be an answer about the Joker being immortal. I, I have to believe Snyder's too smart for that. Snyder is going out of his way to somehow like leave the bat book just absolutely broken and shattered for the purpose I think of sending Batman back to small stories but in order to do that it's like he wants to burn down the batverse. <laughs> well, I'm not sure that's the case. I think he has a broad and unique idea of what the Joker is. I'm just, it's, I'm not in any way sure it's working for me. No. If he ends it on an ambiguous note where we can choose to ignore it, 
I think it would be okay. But we, we've talked about this and we talked about Batman 38 a month ago that the idea of Joker as immortal, it, it just doesn't, it, it really doesn't work. The Joker has to be Batman's opposite number. Right. So for Joker to have been operating in Gotham for hundreds of years, Batman's just another dude. What does he give a shit? It just it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. And if 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 he spends all of this time creating a story that one can easily ignore going forward, then what's the fucking point also? Well, I got to believe he's too smart to say, "Yep, here's the new normal." Because it 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 fundamentally fucks with the Joker in a way that I don't think can survive not being retconned in pretty short order. Yeah. Well, it's just uh, the run on Batman in general, like, you know, even death of the family. It's like, all right, let's tear down his support system. Let's, you know, let's buy this book, you know, tear down what's left of, of that. The Joker breached the bat cave in this issue. Spoilers. Yeah. Um, He took Alfred's hand in this issue, <laughs> fucking Alfred, leave Alfred alone. Well, <laughs> particularly, look, I know we're supposed to be shocked that the Joker took Alfred's hand off, but it, that didn't work for me, and it didn't work for me in a couple of ways. It it didn't work for me on, on either front. If it's supposed to be shocking, Batman didn't act fucking shocked. Yeah. He talked to uh, Julia and found out that he was stable. And then Batman immediately went on with his plan to get the villains and go after the Joker. He's stable. I'm wondering if Julia just didn't tell him the extent to which Alfred, because he wants to keep him focused, honestly. Well, that's true, because we didn't see an exact depiction from Julia as to, hey, here's what just happened to Alfred. Right. Um, he, He better learn to pick his nose and wipe his ass left handed pretty quick. Well, and after all the shit that happened to Alfred in the death of the family arc, it's like, really? Well, and it's not only that, it's what ha- what's happening with Alfred and Batman Eternal, yeah. which I'm not sure you're keeping up with, because um, it it is tough. It's been going on for what seems like forever, but it's, it's pretty decent. But yeah, right now in that, Alfred is recovering from being shot up with fear toxin by Hush. Right. He's barely able to function and get around, and then to turn around from that and have... This. Yeah, it just seemed like Batman would... Really was would it would have more of a reaction to it feels like it feels like Snyder is setting Alfred up to retire or die, and if that happens, I'm gonna be pissed, yeah, especially you, bringing Julia in the, yeah, the you, daughter. you can't get rid of Alfred no. that easily or that quickly, and uh, yeah, that's I can see somebody making that decision. Let's move him into the future, but there, there's certain elements of Batman you just you just don't, yeah, and Alfred certainly. He's one of those elements that wasn't there from day one. Like he's not in Batman number one. He I forget where he shows up, but he's not a recent addition. But it was later on. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's so entrenched right now. You know, for years and years and years, it, it, that's a hard thing to fuck around with. Yeah. Um, I mean, I suppose on the other hand, if Alfred loses his hand, Alfred knows Batman, <laughs> who knows Cyborg. Yeah, it's not a, only has a he's got artificial hand to his nuts. Like, oh, good, he he can have an artificial hand like he's Luke Skywalker. Uh, yeah, he'll be back to <laughs> he'll be back to dusting by Tuesday. He'll be fine. He can crush his enemies. 
But yeah, it's I know it was meant to be horrifying, but the sort of flat affect reaction by Batman and then you know, and at the same time it's uh, you really have to put a bullet in Alfred. You got to kill somebody to you, you can't kill anybody in comic books, it doesn't matter. Well, and the other thing too that just there was some weirdness in here as they were jumping around. The Batman goes to the court of the owls to see if they have this Dionysium yeah. element that supposedly makes people immortal or whatever and uh, they claim they don't except for some corrupt version that keeps their talons functioning and then he fights the oldest of the talons ever and we we figure he must win because he shows up four hours later in the book right but i i wanted to know how that battle played out it looked like there was going to be some important shit that was going to be said and they for whatever reason don't follow up with how that fight resolves we'll we'll get it in flashback i hope uh, <laughs> it's a good point i hope but <laughs> snyder has not while i don't like what he's doing with joker in this and it's hard to call this a really good story because of it he's not been writing bad stories on batman all along and again i disagree with the choice on this but it it is not going to we're not going to wind up having it be so badly goddamn structured that oh yeah shit happened it, it will get revealed i have to believe it i have to believe what will be revealed will be ambiguous so we can take it either way but i it, hope so we'll get the answers on it i mean that would be the best possible scenario um i i just feel like i would like to see this wrap up we're we're just at a point now where i this has been going on this is part 5 yeah. It's like, like what, out of like 12? Is this going to be like... it? <laughs> I think it's a six. <laughs> I think it's a sixer. I think we're almost done. Okay. Um, you know, my favorite part of this was the backstory in the back where um, we, we find out what happened to the researcher who was trying to figure out who Joker was, who discovers that um, the, the person she thought was the researcher helping her was actually the Joker. <laughs> so all of her research is inaccurate. <laughs> yeah. No. At the very least. Yeah, no, the backup was not bad, and at least the backup was was linear. Yeah, uh, whereas this kind of jumped around. Um, I don't know. It's <laughs> I had some. I'm just trying to go back over some of the problems with with this issue I had in my head, and one of them was. And again, this is another one. I'm not sure on what end. I think this is not realistic. That Alfred's got a shotgun and <laughs> shoots at the Joker. Uh, all right, would would Batman have have or allow guns in the house on one hand but on the other hand at this point batman is half convinced that the joker is immortal no matter what you do with him yeah yeah why wouldn't he give alfred a shotgun and say well we know for a fact joker knows who i am yeah if joker shows up aim for fucking center mass i'll q-tip the fucking chemical off the floor Yeah. Yeah. Instead, he's shooting what looks like birdshot from like 30 feet away. The Joker's got his back to you. Just get up and fucking trepan him with a bullet. Or or the Joker is is probably coming here. Here's um, a rebreathing apparatus. Just drop the cyanide when he makes landfall. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Another thing, I'm not not sure I, I can buy all the rogues being on Batman's side. Yeah. I, right out of the, I kind of like the idea of the, right on the first page, I know that my enemies have an agreement 
to show the bat signal upside down after I'm killed. The whole okay. It bat. shows a healthy respect between foes, and that's that's fine. Yeah, and the Batman at rest idea. Okay, that's that's kind of cool. I yeah. can get into that. But the story that he tells behind that, which is number one, it was the Joker's suggestion, and number two, they don't meet at police headquarters. They meet at Ace Chemicals. Yeah. You know where quote this all started. That shows a little too much leadership from and respect for the Joker for the rest of the rogues to throw mm. in with Batman for this final fucking battle. That's a good point. Now, that could be clues, in which case, hey, go me. I'm smart. This doesn't smell right. Right. You know, or it could be, no, there's just too much here for this to make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. And again, I hope this this is all sort of sorted out in the next issue it's just there's been s almost too much going on between this and batman eternal <laughs> yeah well i've been enjoying batman eternal this what snyder's choosing to do with the joker i don't agree with and it's casting a pall over what's actually good there and there is some good stuff here that moment where batman is in the court of owls and they're giving this long flowery speech about Look above you. This shows that we are both above and beneath Gotham. And it allows us to make this long, flowery speech. And without a word, Batman just sends the batarang up and cuts it down to yeah. collapse on them. That was fucking cool. No, that was cool. There are a lot of, like, individual cool moments. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's unfortunate that the writer's choice of how he's exploring Joker is almost yanking me out of the story because I'm just so desperate for it. Just just get to the end and explain why you're doing this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do want to see how this plays out. But I'll, I'll guarantee you when it's all said and done, it, the Joker's immortality won't be proved or disproved either way. So it will be there that somebody can use it if they want to or not use it if they don't. Which... Gonna hope for Colin B. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, yeah, the, the concept of an immortal Joker just doesn't work yeah and the longer it continues it's just uh, this is not working for me that's i want it i want to walk back yeah Ugh. step off step off the ledge <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> all right yeah it feels like a very rigs kind of moment <laughs> <laughs> Do you really want to jump? Do you wanna? <laughs> I've got nothing better to do. <laughs> you want to talk to God? <laughs> Let's go see him together. I've got nothing better to do. Yeah. All right. I we got... rolled those two together, didn't I? <laughs> All right. We got anything else on this issue? No. All right. No. I like the art. I like the Capullo art. I've I've liked Capullo's art all along, but I've said it a million times. His art for me. Reminds me a lot of Norm Brayfogle mm -hmm. with some Todd McFarlane and Frank Miller thrown in. You're going to have a hard time showing me a Batman in that kind of style where I'm like, eh, no, nah, that doesn't work for me. Yeah. So he, he's always been a good choice to draw Batman. I've never had a problem with his art on this. Oh, here's a thing I just thought of. Go on. So in this book, they make this whole point of, of Joker being immortal and so he can heal himself. So he's got this giant friggin' like red rash on his face. Why isn't he healing? They 
made it a point that it the effect becomes more profound the more grievous the injury is so that's why he could be beaten up by batman but it wasn't you know, until he was thrown off a cliff and no body could be found that it would really come into full effect okay just saying yeah that that was in earlier issues sort of the mechanics of how the joker could be immortal or again this could all be bullshit i'm hoping i'm hoping that this grievous face injury face injury means it's bullshit yeah so <laughs> So, all right, we got anything else on this? Otherwise, we should wrap it up. Yeah, we can wrap it up. If I don't take a leak soon, I'll, you're going to hear electrical sounds as all this <laughs> stuff fries. You're welcome, dear listeners. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, yes, not sure how you found this episode, but you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. You can always shoot us an email, crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. We are on Facebook. You can get a link to our Facebook page through our home website. And... You can certainly always send us messages through that. We're on Twitter. At Infinite Midlife. And we are on Tumblr, crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. You can find us on iTunes. And if you happen to pull this episode from there or any other episodes, do us a favor. Shoot us a review. You know, give us a rating. Say it every week. We like hearing from <laughs> listeners. We do. It's fun. Uh, we are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. That's right. Uh, leave anything out. Tune in radio. We're on TuneIn Radio, and we're all over the place. We're all over the place. We're, we're like herpes or chicken pox or... Toaster babies. Toaster babies. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> all right. That is it. This has been episode 57 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening, and... Derp. Don't look at me like that. I'm not sticking my dick in a toaster. I don't care how much you want to see one. <laughs> They got my dick messing! <laughs>